Good evening and welcome to our Bible study as we continue through the book of Revelation. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 through to verse 12. Revelation 9, 1 to 12. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it, like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke locusts came down upon the earth, and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months, and the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion, when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions in their tails. They had power to torment people for five months. They had, as king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you now for the words that we've read in your presence and ask that you guide us through them that we might understand more of this passage of revelation for we ask it in the name of jesus amen well just a few questions the first one is did you read those chapters throughout the week uh, or those verses throughout the week from chapter 9 verse 1 through to 12 uh, and did you look out for the differences between the first four and the last three trumpets what did you think about the symbolism being expressed in these verses? Well, before we look at them, a few things for us to consider before we look at this passage together. You see, in Revelation, John sees a number of visions that are seen in chronological order, but the events that he is shown will not necessarily happen in the order that he has seen them. Some of the same events will be unfolded in subsequent visions that John will see. And when he does that, he will see these same elements from different perspective. And that will give us more of an all-round view of what is happening. And we need to understand that and take it with us as we go through this book. Now, a word from Paul, a word we've heard before, but it's a word to remind us that what we read in Revelation is relevant to the universal church during the period of the new covenant, a covenant which started with the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus and will go on until his return and then into eternity. 
Romans 1 verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You see, Paul is speaking to the persecuted church in his day. He's telling them that God's judgment is being delivered and that God is still in control. Even when they think that life is becoming hard and chaotic. He is speaking in the present tense. You see, the early church was being persecuted. Now, John will say the same thing to the seven churches in Asia in his letter. That's in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. And we see there that they were suffering persecution. It was happening to them. And it is still happening to us now in our day. Now, the seven churches... We've already said that they were real churches. But here in Revelation, they are presented as being representative of God's universal church. So the symbolism here brings relevance to us in our day. It's about the persecution of the church. It's about the universal church. It's about how God is in control. It is limited. But the persecution will increase. Just to recap on a few things, chapter 6, the Lamb who was worthy opens the seals of the scrolls. The first four seals are opened and we glimpse the four horsemen who will bring plague and disorder to the earth. In 6 verse 9, when the fifth seal is opened, we hear the cry from heaven of the souls who have suffered for the sake of the gospel as they cry out, how long, how long until the final judgment comes? In verse 12, when the sixth seal is opened, we have a preview of the final day when the cry for justice from the altar will become a reality. Then in verse 17 of chapter 6, a statement is made, there's a question asked. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? There's the question. But in verse Chapter 7, verse 1 through to 17. In those verses, John is given the answer. Only those who have the seal of God in their lives would be able to withstand on that day. They would also eventually be the ones who would stand in the presence of God, clothed in the righteous garments of salvation. Revelation 7, verse 1 through to 17, shows us the scene in heaven after the final judgment. Revelation 6, verse 9 to 7, verse 17, it is seen as a parenthesis between the opening of the sixth seal and the introduction to the seventh seal. And the seventh seal will introduce the seven trumpets. Now, we've said the trumpet calls. What do they do? They announce the presence of God. They are a warning of coming judgment. They are a call to repentance and a call for the believer to be prepared and ready. When we looked at the seven trumpets, we drew a a, a sort of an allusion and a parallel to Joshua and the battle of Jericho. So just for a moment this evening, I want us to... Stop and ask the question, 
Are we in the 22nd century here in Britain engaged in a battle? To the words of the hymn by Sabine Bering Gould, Onward Christian soldiers have any relevance to you and me in our day? Let's just think about those words and consider what the hymn writer is saying. In verse 1 he said, Onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads against the foe and forward into battle. See his banner go. Well, the Apostle Paul, in no uncertain terms, tells us that we are in a battle. Again, a verse that we will refer to from time to time. It's Ephesians 6, verse 10. In fact, there's a few verses here. I'm going to read verse 10 through to 17. This is what Paul says. And he's talking to the church in his day and down the ages. He speaks to us in our day and he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Then he goes on and he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And he goes on, not just to stand, he says, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the question is, are we dressed and ready in our day? Verse 2 of that hymn. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On, then Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices, loud your anthems raise. Listen to a, a verse from James chapter 4. It's verse 7, and James says to us, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, we are on the victory side. Let's go back to the hymn and listen to verse 3. Like a mighty army army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. How about a couple of verses from 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. And again, Peter is speaking to us in our day, as he spoke to the people in his day. And he said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So this tells us that we are part of that family, the universal church of God which extends throughout the world. We are all one. So verse 4 of that hymn, Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voice in the triumph song. 
glory, Lord, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. And this hymn brings us into Revelation, Revelation 5, verse 11 through to 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times, ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That day will come. And the question is, will you be in that heavenly choir? You see, Revelation is a letter, a letter of warning and a letter of encouragement to the universal church. No matter what age that church lives in and no matter what ge geographical place the church lives, in this God's day of grace, as Christians, wherever we are, we are affected by world events. And we are called to be strong in faith. Whether we're on the front line standing against persecution from a hostile government who is out to destroy Christianity and take the lives of those believers. Even us in the West, sometimes we forget this. Our lives seem so good, but we are still disrupted by the collapse of financial institutions. We're still dogged by ill health. We're still troubled by emotional problems. And we here, even now, are living in what is at the moment a marginalized, or as in a, 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 an environment that seeks to marginalize Christianity. As part of God's church, we, the universal church, are to remain faithful to the gospel and to trust in God's word. This is the battle that we are all engaged in. This is why Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. And it was John who said that. He said that in his gospel, John 9, verse 23. And here in Revelation, Revelation shows us that God is in control. Judgment will come, and that one day we will be with him in glory. Revelation 8, verse 6 through to Chapter 9, verse 21. We have six of the seven trumpets. Now, we'll pick up the seventh trumpet in chapter 11, verse 15. But we see that the first four trumpet blasts 
that have heralded the arrival of God, have spoken about God's judgment on earth, announced the things that affect the earth and disrupt our way of life, each of these things would cause disruption to the daily lives of many people. Now these judgments seem to be the results of the four horsemen who were held back, who were held back until God's people were sealed. Every true believer was sealed by the foreknowledge of God. When Jesus spoke the words from the cross, it is finished. So now, they are released, unleashed for war, violence, disease and death. In chapter 7 verse 1, after this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on a tree. Revelation 8.13, an announcement is made between the fourth and the fifth trumpets. And the division between the trumpets is explained in that verse that I've just referred to, 8 verse 13. We have in this verse a parenthesis between the fourth and the next three trumpets. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. The final three trumpets will now announce things that are directed at people. So we come to the verses that we read together this evening. Revelation 9, verse 1 through to 12. The fifth trumpet sounded by the fifth angel who brought the first woe. Let's just walk through those verses together and see what we can draw from them. Verse 1 through to 3. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Let's just think about the fallen star. You see, in those verses we just read, he's referred to as a person. We're told that he fell from heaven. In verse 11, we are told that his name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek, Apollyon. And we're told in brackets that this is destroyer. So it's a person titled as being a destroyer. We need to listen to what God has said in the past to help us understand these things. Because these things will allude to things that have already happened. And let's go to the Old Testament, Isaiah 14, verse 15. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. 
You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depth of the pit. It was, this was Isaiah the prophet speaking. And we come to the New Testament. Listen to what happened. This is in Luke 10. It's when Jesus sent 72 disciples. They sent them out two by two. And he sent them to bring peace to the people. And when they came back, they said, this is verse 17 through the 20 of Luke, whether we can read about this passage. The 72, 10, returned. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now notice here, and this helps us understand Revelation, Jesus is not talking about literal snakes and literal scorpions. He's talking about the enemy, the devil, and he's referring to the power of the enemy. And he's also reminding us that this enemy that we face is an enemy that is already defeated. Let's think about the abyss. The abyss is the bottomless pit. And the one who has the keys is the fallen angel who is Satan who is king over the forces of evil. But we know that his power is limited. What about the smoke? Well, this smoke from the abyss is a smoke that brings darkness. It brings spiritual darkness. And out of the darkness, we're told that locusts come down to the earth. You see, Satan sends his army to persecute those people on earth. To understand the language, we need to look back at the Old Testament. And one of the places we can go to is the book of the prophet Joel. There are many others, but we're just going to look for a few moments at Joel. Joel chapter 1, verse 1 through to verse 12. What we have here is more than likely literal locust. Locust who was sent as judgments against the unfaithful people of Judah in order for God to bring them back to himself. In that chapter 1 of Joel, verse 4 says, What the locust swarm has left, the great locust have eaten. What the great locust have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. You see, John in his vision what he sees, it's hard to describe, so he has to describe it like something that people will understand. And people would understand how the locusts, the literal locusts, are destroyers. That's what those verses are telling us in Joel 
chapter 1. Let's move on to the next chapter of Joel, Joel chapter 2. Read through these passages if you get the, the chance. But verse 1 through to 11 of chapter 2, the imagery here is of a large and a mighty army. Joel said this, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was in ancient times, nor ever will be in ages to come. Joel 2. Let's go down to verse 10 and 11. Before them the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened and the stars are no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? You recognize the words there that we've had? Who can endure it? The day of the Lord is dreadful and great. In Revelation, the locusts are symbolic. Revelation 9, verse 4. But they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree. But only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Think about that. Let's... Read verse, nine, verse 5 of chapter 9. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. This is an army who are told not to harm the earth. That's already being harmed. But they are to harm the people who are not sealed. By God. We have to remember that God is in control. Yes, these are the these are these, these are the enemy, these are Satan's, if you like, soldiers. But God is in control. He is sovereign over evil, even using it to advance his kingdom and protect his people. Believers who are in the midst of times like this ultimately have nothing to fear. We are in Christ. We might suffer, more than likely will suffer. We might lose our lives. But we have the assurance of eternal life. God can use all things to accomplish his plan. You know, this is why... From the book of Revelation, we can go and listen to what Paul said. Listen to what he said in Romans 8, verse 28. Again, it's a verse you're very familiar with, but do we just take it for granted and not put it into the context of our day? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The emphasis here is we know that in all things, all things, that's the good things, the bad things, even when evil comes, God is working through it. We see that time and time again in the Old Testament. We see it in our day. 
Here's a thought to think about as we consider these things. The price of justice is a high price to pay. A high price of justice. It is a high price to pay. But Jesus paid it in full. We are his ambassadors who are called to live through these things as his representative in a world that is not our home. Revelation 9 verse 6 During those days people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. You see, the locust struck evil forces were not permitted on this occasion to kill anyone. They were allowed to torture them for a short period of time. Five months is mentioned. Let's think about five months. You see, this is not a definite time. We know that the lifespan of a locust is between three and five months. That is a literal locust. The phrase five months is symbolic symbolic of a short time. We don't know how long the short time will be, but we must remember the words that Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Let's continue in chapter 9 and look at verse 7 through to 10. And here we have a description of the locust. The key phrase here, like all of Revelation, is that they looked like. And get a hold of that. They looked like. Verse 7, the locust looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. What we learn from these verses are that they are prepared for battle. Crowns are a suggestion of authority. Human faces speak of intelligence. Verse 8. The hair was like women's hair, and the teeth were like lion's teeth. Okay, lion's teeth suggest that they are administrators of pain. Woman's hair, I don't really know what that means. It might mean that they were just wild looking I don't know verse 9 they had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle so what we have here iron iron speaks of strength and with it comes the sound of battle the strength of the enemy and the noise that he is near. Verse 10. They had tails like stings. There you are. Like stings. Like scorpions. And in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had the ability to torture and to torment. But their power was limited. Verse 11, they had a king. See, there's the authority, there's the crown. They had a king over them. Who is this king? The angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, 
and in Greek, Apollyon, that is, destroyer. Evil forces, whether they're human or demonic, they are agents of Satan. Let's go back to Revelation 2 verse 10 as we finish. Go back to the church in Smyrna. The church in Smyrna would suffer persecution. Ten days is mentioned. It's not literal. It's symbolic for a very short time. Let's finish with that verse. Revelation 2 verse 10 to the church at Smyrna. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Revelation 9 verse 12 The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. We will look at them next time. Let's just pray. Father, we know that sometimes we feel a little bit confused when we read these words. But the bottom line is that you are in control. We are your church. And our Father, for us here, we just ask that you would remind us that we are part of that church that is suffering in other parts of the world. Help us not to be complacent. The fight is on, and we are still in the battle. We just ask that you keep us faithful and keep us true to your word. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.